Hello everyone and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. Today we were talking about the Fox Indian Wars and last week if you listened I basically said that this was going to be a bonus episode and I would come back with like a full other episode uh, this week. However, I got COVID this weekend and I was very, very tired and run down and all of this stuff. So I just decided that I will stick to doing the Fox Indian um, episode or, you know, recap as my main episode, but I'm just going to combine it with a little bit of a life update. Every so often I like to give little glimpses into my personal life and just say what's kind of going on, what's coming up, all the exciting stuff that we have happening because there is definitely a lot. So um, I'm just going to combine the two and it should be about the length of a full (laughs) length um, episode. So I hope you enjoy and let's learn some stuff. Enjoy the episode. let's start with the life update with the fun stuff well most of it's fun (laughs) the not so fun stuff is yes I got COVID for the first time um you know three years after it became a thing is when I have finally tested positive uh for COVID and yeah I haven't gotten it before I feel like many many times throughout the pandemic I would be around people who like the next day tested positive and I was like oh kind of dodged a bullet like I didn't get it And now, I have no idea where I got it, but no one else around me is sick. (laughs) Like, everyone I hung out with over the weekend, no one's sick. I got symptoms, like, all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue on Tuesday night. uh, Like, last Tuesday night. And so, I didn't think anything of it because it honestly came on so quickly. I thought it was, like, some allergy attack. Like, I put on this new jacket, and I was like, oh, I must have you know, worn this around my parents' dogs or something because I'm all of a sudden so stuffy and my nose is running and all this stuff. And then I didn't sleep very well because my nose was so stuffy. So then I woke up with a little bit of a sore throat, got a little bit of a headache. Next day I had a little bit of a headache. And the interesting thing is, is that like at this stage of pregnancy, so I'm now like 27 weeks, but at my last appointment, they started telling me all about like you know, things to watch out for as I enter the third trimester, like preeclampsia and we're doing my blood sugar test. And so I was really thirsty and then I also had a headache. So I was getting kind of spooked because I was like, huh, you know, this could be like a, you know, the thirst could be a sign that I have gestational diabetes. Hopefully I don't have that the headache could be like high blood pressure, which is a preeclampsia sign. And they say, you know, if you have um, headaches that aren't going away, like, you know, beware of that. If you have a blood pressure cuff, make sure to, you know, you can take your blood pressure and kind of see what, what it is if it's too high. So I was getting like a little bit nervous about all these other things. And so I went to Walgreens and bought like, blood sugar testing strips. I bought like an automatic uh, blood pressure cuff 
And then while I was there, I was like, eh, I might as well just take a COVID test to rule out COVID, but like, I definitely don't have COVID, but who knows? Some headaches are caused by COVID. So I just bought a test. I took it in the car, go, like on the way to bowling. And at when I looked down at first, I was like, okay, well, like I have one line, um, that showed up. Okay. Interesting. Let's see if the other one does. And I was like, huh, maybe is that like a really faint second line? And then I realized the line that I was looking at that was super, super dark was the <laughs> sample line. So that was what was telling me I had COVID. It was, it showed up immediately and it was super dark and it was so dark that there was like barely a control line. So I had COVID, I had to turn back around and go home and yeah, honestly, I mean, it was not fun and I had to stay home like all weekend, which I'm not the best at. Like I'm not super great at just sitting and, you know, not leaving the house that much <laughs> over the weekends. Um, but I was relieved that it wasn't something else because I did do my blood sugar and blood pressure and all that and it all looked good. So I think my headaches were just from COVID. Um, and overall it has not hit me that hard. I just kind of have a lingering cough. You can probably tell my voice is a little bit off and, uh, I get a little bit stuffy, but other than that, it really has not been that bad. So I think I'm on day like eight or nine now, so I shouldn't be contagious because I think the CDC says like after five days of symptoms, you're pretty much fine, but, um, we're, we'll give it a couple more days since I'm still testing positive. So don't want to get anyone sick. Um, so that's that, that's my COVID update. The pregnancy update kind of goes with that because again, I'm about to start enter my third trimester, which is so exciting. I'm at the point where, like, I would just like it to be June. I would like to have the baby, you know, that all seems very fun, but I think I'm being taught, like, God is teaching me patience through this whole thing because it's such a long process and I really want to rush it, but I think having to actually exercise patience for this long is good for me and just, like, accepting that I can't make it speed up, like... I will, the time will come and this is like the prep time and, you know, all of that is a good lesson to learn. So I'm trying to learn that with joy, but I, I do get the urge to just be like, oh, I wish it was June. Like I wish I was having the baby already. Um, but I'm feeling good. I've had good appointments. I'm just trying to, you know, keep my diet in order so I'm not like gaining weight too fast and um, trying to stay healthy and been walking on the treadmill. That's been going well. I'm finally getting the baby room set up. So it, I'm sitting in the baby room right now. It's in absolute disarray because we are about to put wallpaper up, um, hopefully this weekend and we've ordered the crib and we, uh, know which glider we're getting. And so there's just many exciting things happening in prep for, the baby's arrival. We um, have the baby shower in April. So that's been really fun to coordinate. My aunts are throwing it for me and it's going to be quite, quite the big thing. Like we're doing it at this very, very nice hotel downtown and it's just going to be so exciting. It's going to be a tea, uh, tea party. So the whole baby room and kind of theme of the baby in general is Paddington Bear. 
And so the Tea Party kind of goes well with that, which is funny because I'm super, super patriotic, like an American, and I never thought I'd have an English-themed <laughs> baby room, but it's just too cute of a movie and too cute of a theme. So we're doing that. Uh, we're going to Hawaii in a couple weeks as like a little baby moon. I don't love the term baby moon, but that's basically what we're doing last trip before we have a baby where we can just travel really easily. So we're going to Hawaii for like 10 days and I'm so, oh, I cannot wait. We've been watching all these Hawaii videos of like where we should be going, where we should be eating, making dinner reservations, and it's just all very, very exciting. Um, the other thing, I guess the other major update here is on the homesteading front. I don't know how much I've really talked about homesteading on the podcast, but basically I have a YouTube channel called uh, Semi-Homesteading with Abby, which basically the whole theme of it is like, I would like to learn how to homestead or learn all these homesteading skills, but I'm not going to have a whole homestead because I live in basically a suburb. It's like a more spread out suburb. I have three acres, but it's a suburb nonetheless. We have an HOA. We're not allowed to have certain animals on our land, so I will never have like a full homestead. There are regulations and HOAs and stuff, but I want to learn all these homesteading skills. So that's like the theme of my um, YouTube channel. And if you have not followed me over there, go do that. Semi Homesteading with Abby. I'm trying to get monetized this year, get to a thousand subscribers. Right now I'm at like almost 300. So, you know, we're slowly and steadily growing and it's been fun to see because for a long time I was literally at like 80 subscribers and just nothing was happening. And now I get like, I don't know, three or four subscribers a day, which is <laughs> very exciting. Um, don't despise small beginnings, you know? So um, we're growing over there. It's very exciting. But the big homesteading update is that we're getting bees in April. So I will be like seven and a half months pregnant, <laughs> but we are getting honeybees. And luckily my aunt and uncle decided to do it as well. So we can kind of bounce ideas off each other, help each other <clears throat> and all of that. But uh, I'm a little nervous, honestly. Like we took a bee class and I did a YouTube video about this, but I took a bee class with my aunt and uncle. And honestly, I had ordered my bees beforehand, but if I hadn't, I feel like I probably would have backed out because it was very intimidating. It was a good class. I learned a lot. He's very helpful. And I joined my local beekeepers um, society. So I will be able to ask questions and do things. And every from all accounts, these local beekeeping clubs are just so helpful. So I know it'll be fine. But I just feel like it's a lot. My neighbor said it was low maintenance. But I think the transferring of the bees is what I'm nervous about. We got nukes, which seem easier than just like these shipment of bees you have to shake into hives. Um, so it shouldn't be too bad. But I have to drive in a car for like 45 minutes with a box full of like 30,000 bees in the back. And it can't be like in your trunk or in the bed of a truck. It has to be like in your cabin with you. So it's going to be, it's going to be something. So I'm, I'm glad my aunt and uncle are doing it with me. I think they'll be a huge help. And 
I'm excited to like harvest honey and learn about it. And, you know, I feel like not, if I want to learn homesteading, this is like a perfect skill to have. Worst case, I can gift them or sell them next year. But, you know, not everything homesteading is going to be super comfortable. So I'm excited to learn the new skill. It's just there's a learning curve that I'm a little bit nervous about, especially being so pregnant and about to have a baby and all that stuff. Um, so bees are the one update and then we're getting our garden set up. We moved in too late last year to get any sort of garden, but we ordered three garden beds for uh, from Vigo Garden, I think it was called. So we got those like 17 inch metal ones. Um, we're starting with three with nets on them um, to, you know, protect it from deer. And then next year we'll probably get three more and like fence in the area for deer. So it's just more permanent. Uh, but this year we don't have time to really get a fence set up with everything we have going on. So luckily these um, garden beds come with these big nets to protect from deer and wind and stuff. So. I think it's gonna work well. I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers. There's a very short growing season in Colorado, so, um, and I've never gardened before. So I'm heavily leaning on my aunts who garden and can help me get things uh, set up. But that should be very, very fun. And I'm so excited to get started with gardening. I'm very excited about the garden and I'm nervous about the bees. I'm hoping by the end of the year, I will feel good about all of them, so. Um, okay, well, that is my life update. There's a lot happening, but let's um, switch gears a little bit. And let's clarify the Fox Indian Wars. Okay, like I said, this was just going to be a kind of bonus episode just because it's not super long. Um, but, you know, that's okay. We'll have like a, a quick listen episode for this week. Also, if I'm out of breath, very sorry. I feel like I'm always getting out of breath. Now that I'm basically into my third trimester, I just feel like walking or sitting or talking for too long, I get out of breath. So apologies for that if, if it's noticeable. Um, okay, let's talk about very in general what the Fox Indian Wars were about. So it was a series of military confrontations in the Midwest between the Meskwaki Indians or the Fox Indians and the French. It was mostly between 1712 and 1730. So um, the Meskwaki Indians were the only tribe that systematically, not systemically, but systematically opposed French domination when they started to come in during the colonial era into Wisconsin specifically. So this is actually why I wanted to research it because going through all the state histories, you know, you hear about some of these skirmishes or wars or little kind of offshoot conflicts that definitely deserve getting uh, researched more. Things like the Whiskey Rebellion, where they just say, okay, the Whiskey Rebellion happened this year, or the Fox Indian Wars happened during this time. Um, but they don't go into much detail, and I, I don't have time on like what's already an hour-long episode to go into a whole other conflict. So I wanted to revisit some of those, and that is why we're researching the Fox Indian Wars, because this came up during the Wisconsin History episode. So basically there was an initial meeting in Montreal between the two groups, and the Meskwaki Indians left offended because they didn't feel like the French treated them well. 
The French had very high prices for goods, and they attempted to supply the Sioux with guns, who were the adversaries of the Fox Indians, so that made the Fox Indians very angry. That's why they felt like they weren't being treated well. And then the Iroquois um, Confederacy invited the Fox Indians to trade with the English in the New York, which was seen as a snub by the French. And so things just got really worse where uh, the Fox Indians didn't think that the English were, or the French were treating them well. And then the, um, the French didn't think the Fox Indians were treating them well and trying to go around them to the English. And so tensions just kept getting worse and worse and worse through the early 1700s until battles started breaking out in 1712. So here's the rundown of the battles and the, you know, major conflicts because this lasted 18 years. When you see, say, Fox Indian Wars, my initial impression was that it was a short time window, but it's like, it's a long time. It's over 18 years from 1712 to 1730. So let's go over the timeline. So 1712, the French temporarily moved the, their trading headquarter, headquarters to Detroit. And at that point, the Meskwaki warriors laid siege to the garrison. Um, the Indians from some other allied tribes, uh, sorry, Indians from some other tribes then allied with the French and almost all the Meskwaki warriors were killed. So right from the beginning, they were kind of at a um, disadvantage because this initial battle wiped out most of the warriors of the tribe. The survivors rejoined um, their other communities in Northwest Wisconsin and continued to intercept French traders along the Fox River, which is kind of why they were called the Fox Indians or the Fox River Indians. Um, you'll hear them by a few different names, but that's because they were basically intercepting French traders along the Fox River. They also implemented a toll to try to prevent guns and ammo from reaching their enemies, the Sioux, who, as we kind of already mentioned, the French were also trying to supply. So that was where kind of the first big conflict happened. In 1716, a man named Louis de la Porte de Louvigny, who was a French commander, he was sent along with 800 soldiers, which I guess included other Indian allied tribes. Um, so this whole force of 800 soldiers were sent to try to pacify the Meskwaki Indians. They attacked at Little Butte de Mort, and it lasted three days before their surrender. They ended up reaching a peace agreement, but then the French, um, like as part of the peace agreement, the French were supposed to return any of the enslaved Meskwaki prisoners. And the treaty outlined this and everything was agreed, but the French didn't end up returning them. So there's, again, just like the Meskwaki didn't think that the French were treating them well. They never released the prisoners. It took them, you know, a while to reach this agreement. So it was just kind of not good. But then nothing really happens until eight years later. So that was in 1716. The next big event on the timeline is 1724. Constant Le Machard de Linery, or Linery, very French names. But this man, he led an expedition in Illinois and Wisconsin and created temporary truces. But nothing really stopped any of the attacks. 
so the Meskwaki Indians were still trying to intercept the French on the on the river. There were still like skirmishes and stuff. It felt like there were still hostilities from the Meskwaki uh, against the French as the French were trying to supply the Sioux. So it was like this big conflict still, but there was something super major. But they tried to create these temporary truces, but it didn't stop anything. Um, and because it didn't stop anything, the French officials adopted a policy of genocide. So that was between 1724 and 1728. They just basically said, it's fine to kill the Meskwaki. Like, they haven't stopped anything. We've tried truces, but they just went full out, like, hostile. And it says they adopted a policy of genocide between those years. Two years later, in 1730, there was a sneak attack where a man named Captain Pierre Paul Mar Marin, um, he attacked on the riverbank at Little Butte de Mort and the Indian allies attacked from the rear. So basically there was like a sneak attack basically from both sides against the uh, Meskwaki Indians. And so they were really... Um, Obviously, it was a surprise, so they were surprised. Um, the survivors, it says, retreated to Lower Wisconsin, where Marin made a, a surprise winter expedition against them while their hunters were in the field. So, if you remember, like, Revolutionary Wartime podcasts we've done and stuff, it was pretty common that there would be, like, a break and a, more or less a truce um, during the winter months because it's just so hard to get around. It's so cold. People would just not really fight in the winter. But they had this sneak attack and then the survivors retreated and then they basically followed them and did a surprise attack in the winter, which was really not um, anticipated by the Meskwaki. They uh, captured the Meskwaki in that town and only released them on the condition that the Meskwaki would permanently leave Wisconsin. So this is like how they, the French basically finally kicked out the Meskwaki from Wisconsin is because of this series of sneak attacks. So because of this, most went to the south hoping to join the Iroquois um, in the east after rounding Lake Michigan. But on their way, they were cornered and destroyed by the French and their Indian allies. So again, terrible treatment because... They had this sneak attack. They captured them. They said, we're going to release you, but you have to leave Wisconsin. So they're on their way to leave Wisconsin. And then they just capture them and destroy them anyway. Which is really not good. So that was that. Um, in 1733, it says with their population decimated from several thousand in the 1710s, to only a few hundred, the Meskwaki survivors returned to Wisconsin and sought refuge among the Sauk near Green Bay. Around 1745, both nations moved to the lower Wisconsin River, giving rise to the names Sauk City and Prairie du Sac. Um, it also says English traveler Jonathan Carver visited them in 1766. Around 1780, they relocated to the banks of the Mississippi south of Prairie du Chien, where their largest town, Sokanuk, was located at the mouth of the Rock River. 50 years later, at the time of 1832 Black Hawk War, the Meskwaki and the Sauk were forced across the Mississippi into Iowa. So that is like the whole history of 
the Fox Indian Wars. I got the timeline and stuff from WisconsinHistory.org, so you can go read about that there. I will post it in the in the show notes. But yeah, um, very interesting conflict because it was just like kind of small skirmishes and battles and things for a very very long time, but then interspersed are these huge like terrible battles and people getting captured and then them getting destroyed by the French and very interesting too that some of the Indian allies like allied with the French and helped kill the Meskwaki Indians so the whole thing's just kind of sad honestly which is why I didn't really want to do a full episode just on um this but it is important to know the history of that and um especially like if you live in that region the midwest region like wisconsin or things like that so um that is all for today's episode thank you all so much for listening i hope you learned a lot and hope you enjoyed the little life update make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give it a five-star review i would really really appreciate it be sure to subscribe to my youtube channel <laughs> millennial or uh wow i have too many things uh semi homesteading with abby is the youtube channel and join me over there. It's really, really fun. I learned like a new homesteading skill every week. So that's all for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week. Bye everyone.